I want to start this morning by talking about some of the most key people in the Christmas story um, that we see them all the time, we think about them all the time, but my prayer is that maybe today we would walk away seeing them and thinking about their story just a little bit different. The, The word says there were shepherds. They were shepherds and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Every nativity scene has the shepherds. You can't have the nativity story. You can't have the Christmas birth story without these vagabonds, without these, these rough guys sleeping out in the fields. I always like to think that they, you know, they, they were grabbing their sheep and like using them as pillows because can you imagine like using an actual sheep as your pillow? That would be incredible. It'd be so fluffy. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Um, but I, I want to show you... Uh, in just a second, a uh, picture, but when, when I remember when I was a kid, there would always be like the kids' plays, and um, if you had my talent, which means not much, <laughs> you ended up as a shepherd. The shepherds didn't have the great lines. The shepherds didn't typically have the, the main songs or the solos. That They were the people that were sitting in the back just gazing at baby Jesus, holding their staff, wrapped in burlap underneath the hot stage lights. Your goal as a shepherd was not to faint, right? It's like, it just get through the play without fainting and you accomplished your job. So I've got a picture. This is kind of a little bit of my my childhood that I remember, right? The one kid's trying to say his lines while shielding out the stage lights from being blinded. Um, it almost looks like they're wrapped in like some form of like that uh, pajamas, <laughs> that that super hot that no one really likes, but they keep selling it anyways. Um, the shepherds just never had the good lines. They didn't have any of anything other than the typical occasional solo. And I think a little bit that reflected what it was like to be a shepherd in real life during their time. It was a lonely, solitary life. They lived out in the fields alone. They lived, they ate, they slept near, and they guarded their sheep. The night that Jesus was born, you've got Bethlehem all nestled, tucked in, and quiet, people sleeping in their homes. But the picture we're given is there's these individuals who are out in the countryside, and they're still keeping guard of their sheep, and it's nighttime, and they're still awake. They're keeping watch over them. It was a lonely life, a solitary life. They were often the last to hear any news if they heard it at all. As things happened in town, um, news would occasionally trickle out to the countryside and they, they might hear a little bit here and there, but they were, they were the last to get the juicy stuff. <laughs> they were the last to get the real news and what was kind of going on. They were the last ones to hear. In fact, a lot of times it was kind of an out of sight, out of mind. They felt forgotten, if not even abandoned. I think of King David. King David grew up as a shepherd. On the most pivotal moment of his family's entire life, Samuel appears on the scene and he comes to David's father, Jesse, and he says, listen, today one of your sons is going to be anointed king. This is the moment of all moments for that family. This is the moment where, like, as a dad, you're, you're so proud because today one of your kids is going to be anointed as king. And he brings forth all of his sons, and Samuel goes one by one after each one of these. And he gets to the last, and he's kind of confused. And he's looking at Jesse, and he's going, Jesse, God told me to come to your house. And he said one of your sons is going to be king, but it's none of these. Do you have any others? 
And Jesse's kind of like, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> we've got the shepherd. <laughs> He's out there with the sheep. There's no, no, it can't. He didn't even get invited to the party. They run out, they go get David. Everybody else has taken a bath and a shower. They've put on like the Axe body spray. You know, they're, they're smelling a little bit good for Samuel. They bring in David from the fields. He still smells like sheep. He comes in and he's covered in grime. He's been completely forgotten, was not even invited. And Samuel looks at him and says, there's your king. See, shepherds were a lot like that. Not even thought of. It was a quiet life, isolated lonely. They felt forgotten. Their friends were each other and even their sheep. They cared for them deeply. I can imagine that they named them. They fought off the elements and even wild animals for the safety of these sheep. But in reality, the shepherds were wounded people. You know, isolation and forgottenness can create some deep wounds. It creates wounds of the heart If we're created in the image of God, and if we reflect that image that is stamped upon us by our creator, it makes perfect sense that the enemy would target that image. It makes perfect sense that he would like to step in and speak lies and to make us feel like we're isolated, that we're alone, and that we're forgotten. I don't know about you, but there's been many times throughout my life where as I go to sleep late at night, and you're left with those lingering thoughts. And you start to rehash some of the wounds from your past. Have you ever had those moments where it's like 2 a.m. and you can't even sleep and you're starting to think through your past and some of the things that you've did or the things, and, and you, without even knowing it, suddenly there's like this voice in the back of your head, this voice of the inner critic, this voice of the enemy that starts to want to speak lies into that moment. Can you imagine how it had to be for the shepherds on those lonely nights? For David, after that day going, my dad didn't even think about inviting me. Like, yeah, I'm the king and I was anointed, but my dad, he didn't even, I wasn't even invited to the party. See, David, he had that wound, but there was another great leader of Israel who was also a shepherd and his name was Moses. Moses, the story goes something like this. He's lived in luxury. He's lived in the palace. He's grown up underneath Pharaoh. And one day he goes out and he starts seeing how his people are being treated. And he sees an Egyptian treating one of them terribly. And he kills this Egyptian. He does so because in his mind he's thinking there's got to be a way. God is going to somehow come through for my people. And the next day he goes out again and he sees two Hebrews, two Israelites now fighting with each other. And he looks at them and he's like, what are you doing? And one of them responds to him as saying, we know what you did. We know who you are. We saw what you did yesterday. And they say these words, and I want you to catch them. Who do you think you are, our prince and our judge? In that moment, they spoke directly against the identity that God had stamped already on his life. Moses would be the prince would be the judge of God's people. But in that moment, they were speaking wounds into his heart, like, there's no way you can do this. What does Moses do? He runs and becomes a shepherd. He goes to the profession where he knows he can be forgotten. 
He goes out to the wilderness where he can be out of sight, out of mind, where he knows that he will lie dormant and be forgotten. You see, shepherding was where you could go to disappear. Moses was on the run, shepherding on the backside of the wilderness, shepherding in a place where he hoped to be forgotten. The profession of a a shepherd often left them with both a stigma and a smell. (laughs) I can just imagine you're you're already a little stinky from guarding sheep and then a skunk comes along, (laughs) right? And you're like, it's gonna be one of those days. Like we think we've got bad days. Can you imagine? I just defended the sheep from a wolf and then I got sprayed by a skunk. That's a bad day. Their profession left them often with a stigma and a smell. People avoided them in town. In many cases, they're sleeping in the elements, being near their sheep, constantly tending to the needs of the animals that are some of the most dumb, obstinate, stubborn animals in the world. Constantly tending to their needs, absent the necessities. It's been weeks since they've had a bath. In short... The shepherds were people who most were not rushing to be their best friends. They were wounded. They knew what it was like to go to bed at night and go, I wonder if anyone sees me. I wonder if anyone knows what's going on here. And I wonder if anyone even cares. But we're wounded people too, aren't we? If 2020 has taught us anything, it's taught us the feeling of what isolation feels like. We've become good at hiding and disappearing. It might be in our jobs, our hobbies, or maybe behind this. We're great at hiding who we really are and not wanting people to get just a little bit too close. We've become wounded and oftentimes we feel forgotten, abandoned, and we wonder. And we, at nighttime, there's times where we lay there at night and we question, God, do you even see me? Do you even know what I've gone through? Do you even care? There's been situations we've faced where maybe we feel like we've lost our value or that it's been ripped apart by different people, situations, circumstances, and hopes. This is what I love about the Christmas story. God himself came with the intention to be wounded. He separated himself from the Godhead that he had had perfect relationship with for all of eternity. He was born not into a palace, but into poverty. He came for the purpose to die. He came with the express intention that I want to put myself in a spot where I can be as wounded as I possibly can, where I will be abandoned by my friends, where I will be betrayed by those who love me the most, where I will be put in every situation that I can so that when my children, which is you and me, when they later cry out to me, they will have a God that goes, I understand and I'm with you. Christmas reminds us that Jesus is the wounded healer. I want you to catch this. This is so beautiful. Jesus, after he is raised from the dead, he could go to heaven with the most glorified body. But what 
What did the disciples see as a mark that lets them know it's even him? Thomas says, until I see the wounds in his hands and in his feet and the spear, and I can stick my hand into the wound in his side, I won't believe. And Jesus shows up and he's like, come look at my wounds. Jesus has chosen to this day to still keep his wounds so that you and I can know he's with us in the midst of our own. We have a God, listen to me, who has not abandoned, not forgotten, and who sees you. So then the question becomes, why the shepherds, right? Why the shepherds? Maybe you've never thought about this, but think about it this way. Joseph and Mary already know that their baby is God. An angel has already appeared to Mary. He's, he's already told her, hey, you are going to be found with a child. You're a virgin. You're going to be found with a child. And this child is going to be son of the most high. And then Joseph has already been given a vision and a dream that lets him know that this baby, they do not need the, the angelic message, nor do they even need the shepherds. So the question becomes, why send the shepherds? It's not like that night, Joseph sitting there going like, huh, this has been a weird couple months. <laughs> Right? No. It's not like that when those shepherds come busting through the door, suddenly they're like, I had not known this news. Thank you for telling me. So why the shepherds? It seems on the surface the shepherds weren't really needed. But the shepherds are there because God was declaring to them, but please hear me today. He's declaring to you, I see you. I love you. I value you. The ones who never got the message were the ones first to get the message. The ones to hear last were the ones to hear first. God was speaking from heaven to every broken and wounded heart. I see you. I understand. I love you. Perhaps what we need most this Christmas is a greater awareness of the God we serve. What I know is this, is that um, after that fateful night, a lot really didn't change for the shepherds. They were still shepherds. They didn't cease being shepherds. Their situation really didn't change that much, and yet everything had changed. But why had it changed? And the answer I can give you is they encountered the glory of God. You see, their situation had not changed, but their perspective had changed. And their perspective had changed because they encountered God's glory. When we encounter the glory of God, everything changed. You see, God's answer that Christmas night was glory. God's gift to the shepherds was a revealing of himself. He displayed his glory. Now, now we throw around sometimes in church a lot of words and we don't ever like really define them. And sometimes it's because it's really hard to. <laughs> when I say the word glory, a lot of times we're like, oh, we say that all the time. We sing it in the Christmas songs. But I want us to break apart that word glory. The word holy in scripture indicates the essence of God. Holy means to be set apart. In other words, it's like, here is good food, and then over here is bad food. Here is steak, mashed potatoes, desserts. Here's salads, okay? <laughs> so, 
So there's a set-apartness. <laughs> there, there's a difference, okay? God himself is set apart. He's different than us, okay? He's holy. And that word holy is, is more than we can even fathom. It would be like describing beauty. Now, I can give you some examples of it, but when you really start to truly give a definitive definition of what beauty is, suddenly now, like, words start to cease to fail you. And you're like, ah, oh, well, it's kind of like this. And it, but, but you have it in your mind. You know what it is. Or maybe it's kind and giving, funny, goofy. Or, or maybe it's you're trying to talk about your spouse or your best friend or, or one of your children. It's more than that. Holiness is the otherness, the perfection of God's character and his nature. It's the most perfect aspect of beauty, kindness, mercy, grace, his power. All of those in their perfection is wrapped up in Christ. Each value cannot get any better or improved on in God. Holiness is his nature but listen to me, glory is the word that's used to describe when that nature is proclaimed or revealed. Glory is holiness proclaimed or put on display. In the Old Testament, they were terrified of the glory of God because it was so pure, so powerful, it could kill you in a moment. Moses and a fateful night, he asks God, he goes, show me your glory. I love that guts there. He's like, God, I want to know you in your fullness. And God's like, if I, if I were to really display that fully to you, you'd die. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to turn around, and I'm going to walk by you. And you'll see the shadow that's left of my glory. And it blows his mind. The Bible says that when the temple is dedicated, that the glory of God fell. And it was so thick in the temple, it was like a cloud. And they couldn't even enter. Fast forward, here are the shepherds. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Can you imagine? Imagine like the roughest crew of dudes that you know. They're chilling out in the countryside and out of nowhere, they're just sitting with like their sheep, Jethro, right? <laughs> he's got him and he's, he's tucked in and he's just like petting him and out of nowhere, bam, the skies explode, angels descend, glory explodes in their midst and they're like, we're dead. Yeah, this is it. This is how it's going to end, right? And, and glory invades their midst. See, John Piper has this to say. He says, what is glory? I believe the glory of God is the going public of his infinite worth. I define the holiness of God as the infinite value of God, the intrinsic worth of God. And when that goes public in creation, the heavens are telling the glory of God. And human beings are manifesting his glory because we were created in his image. And we're trusting his promises. And in doing so, we make him look gloriously trustworthy. The public display of the infinite beauty and worth of God is what I mean by glory. On that night, glory was revealed because Christ came. Jesus is the fullness of the glory of God. In Colossians 2, it says this, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Hebrews 1, it says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory. 
the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. See, the reason that the angels have to command the shepherds, don't be afraid, is because if you encounter the perfection of God, undoubtedly, you also become aware of your own brokenness. It's like playing out in the mud and then suddenly you walk into one of those dressing room mirrors where like the lights are on super bright and there's mirrors everywhere and you're like, oh, I'm a little dirty. <laughs> it's like a light turning on in a, messing room, in a messy room and then suddenly you've got company coming in. It's impossible to step into perfect holiness and not be aware of our astounding brokenness. But this is what I love. Listen to me. The angels don't say, hey, shepherds, look how dirty you are. Get your act together. They say, don't be afraid because I bring you good tidings of great joy. See, for everyone in this room, there, there's an aspect of our own heart that's been wounded. And there's a part of us that we kind of keep at a distance from God. We feel like we don't measure up because we know we don't measure up. But can I tell you that this Christmas, Jesus is speaking from heaven to you and he's saying, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy, which is for more than just you. Don't be afraid because my glory has come near to you. See, glory meets us in our mess and provides a way forward. Jesus is the glory of God, the revealed holiness and perfection of the Godhead who restores inside of all of humanity all that we have broken and shattered. We don't need a clearer picture of our sin and brokenness. We need a bigger picture of God's glory. See, this is the problem I think sometimes is what we do is like, let's just take this random cap that's on the ground. We take this and we think that like somehow this is God. And so we're like, okay, I need to magnify him. So we get a magnifying glass and we put it over that object and we look at it and we try to blow it up in our eyes. The problem with that is that God is not small. We do not need a magnifying glass. We need a telescope. The difference between a magnifying glass and a telescope is a magnifying glass takes something that is small and enlarges it. A telescope takes something that's massively big, but that we are at a distance from and starts to bring it into its true right size. When you look through a telescope and you look at the moon and the surrounding universe, you're looking at planets that are absolutely massive in size and it's blowing them up to a certain degree where we can understand. Listen to me, this Christmas, God wants to hand you a telescope. He wants you to look upon himself and be astounded at his greatness, his power, his beauty and his ability to rescue. God has come for you. Glory received is what the shepherds needed. Jesus recites a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, and he, as he reads it one day in the synagogue, he finishes by saying, just so you know, this is about me. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he's saying the spirit is going to accomplish. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the, that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give them a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they'll be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. The shepherds needed to receive God's glory. To receive Jesus is to trust the gospel. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Glory received naturally will change all that it touches. It's like light. If this room was turned off right now and there was no light in here at all, and we turned on the light, everywhere that the light go, it touches, it immediately brings change. The same is true with the glory of God. As we encounter the fullness of who he is, it changes everything. And can I tell you something? We need this. It changes our hearts. You know what message those shepherds received that night? You're loved. You're not forgotten. God's not given up on you. For unto you is born this day. The angels say that to the shepherds. Can you imagine how astounding to me? Today, a child's born into me? A savior? See, it changes their hearts. You're loved, you're not forgotten. For all who come to Christ, you are dearly loved, adopted sons and daughters. You're brought into the family. You're brought near. It changes our perspective. Can we go back, I'm sorry, to the previous verse? He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom, to tell those who mourn that favor has come, to give beauty for ashes, joy for despair. He's come to change your perspective. For many in America, we, We've had a lot to say about 2020. <laughs> what if, just what if, maybe, this Christmas could be one of the most special Christmases you've ever had? Because you become aware of the true fullness of the glory of God. What if this year that has seemingly robbed us of joy, people we love, of doing normal things? <laughs> what if this year that seems like it's taken so much instead will actually end up giving because God has declared it can? This is still the day the Lord has made. Changes our emotions. Oh man, we are emotional people, aren't we? Catch me before coffee or when you're hangry. A couple days back, I skipped breakfast and lunch, and that was a mistake. <laughs> My emotions are swayed by Big Macs. Actually, not a Big Mac. I'm not a Big Mac fan, but I definitely a double cheeseburger ketchup only because onions do not belong on a burger. Um, 
Sorry, just getting it out there. Some of you are like, what is with this guy? I'm leaving now, <laughs> right? No, we're so swayed by emotion, but this is what I love. God understands even your emotions. He says, I have come because you're, some of you, you're in mourning, and I've come to give you joyous praise. Some of you this year, the, in, the enemy has robbed you greatly. And you feel like you have just taken it on the cheek and taken it on the cheek. Can I just tell you that today, God's giving you a gift, and I can say that emphatically, he's giving you himself. And he's saying to you, would you come and ask and take a glimpse at my glory? Changes our battles. It says, brings freedom and release for captives and prisoners, and it can change our belief about God and ourselves. Some of you, you need to change your belief about yourself. You've spoken some things over your life that your Father in heaven has not. And that he is wanting today to proudly declare over you, you're my son, you're my daughter, made in my image, and I love you. See, your enemy loves to whisper in the dark night of your soul, can you believe you did this? Can you believe you did that? Can you believe this happened to you? Can I just challenge you to believe something else? Can you believe that the God of the universe loves you so much he can change all that in a moment? And that today he's declaring, I want you. He did not come to the religious elite that night. He did not come to the kings and palaces. That night he appeared to the shepherds, to those who felt forgotten, who those who felt like no one cared, to those who felt like I've been abandoned and no one even knows what I'm going through. And he screamed from the heavens. This is what I love. The angelic choir came down. You want to talk about, I've been to some cool concerts in my life, but I've never seen the whole host of angels pop out and sing in perfect unison and melody. Can you imagine that night? You're a shepherd, you're going like, they're trying to like sing along and the, the angels are like, just stop. We got this. <laughs> right now, like they, this was a moment unlike any moment, but it changed their belief about God and themselves. My prayer for you this morning, would you allow God's glory to change you? Every one of us in this room, there's still some wounds that linger in our heart. And I feel like today that God's wanting to proudly declare some things over you. Glory that's been received and glory that's been reflected is glory that needs to be reflected. I want to read one more time. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. It doesn't say what they did with their sheep. <laughs> Let's just pray that they were safe. <laughs> After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and the angel, what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The ones who got the message last, the ones who felt unworthy, the ones who felt they couldn't be used by God, carried the message. 
Some of you today, you're almost left wondering, God, could, could you really use me? Can I tell you the answer to that emphatically is yes. God's not scared of your past. He's not ashamed of your past. He's wanting to resurrect your future. He's wanting to speak life into things that maybe you've spoke death into. You see, glory received by the shepherds was glory reflected by the shepherds. They took the message with them. And everywhere they went, people were astonished. All who heard it were amazed. As they take the message to the places, people are like, wow, the, the angels came to you? The angels spoke to you? Listen to me. You have a message you have a God who has loved you more than you could ever possibly imagine, who has met you in your brokenness, who declares greatness over your life. You have a message to tell. First, they go to Mary and Joseph. We talked a couple weeks ago, but that shepherd's message to Joseph helped heal his heart. Do you realize that God's glory reflected to you in changing your story can heal someone else? Joseph had to have felt like the most utter failure. I can't believe that I brought the Son of God into this world in a lowly manger until the shepherds arrived. And then their message secure for him, oh, wait a second, this wasn't a mistake. God had this in store. Do you realize that your healing and your changed life can bring healing to someone else? Do not discount what God can do in and through you. See, the response to the message is all who heard it were amazed and astonished. What we need most this Christmas is a greater awareness of the God we serve. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? My prayer for you right now is that you would act like you're the only person in this room. This is a moment between you and God. Because today I believe that God wants to meet you right in the midst of your own field in your own wilderness, in your own wandering. I believe that today what you most need, what I most need, and what we all most need is a greater awareness of the God that we serve. In this room right now, what I know for a fact is because I know my own heart, I know my own self, there's a lot of wounds in this room. You've, some of you, you've been through things that no one else in this room even remotely knows about. There's things from maybe your past, maybe even all the way back to your childhood, things that have happened where you feel like that moment defined you forever. You feel like that moment has lingered over your life and you maybe have even spoken things over your own life. You've declared things like, I'm not good enough. I don't have value. I don't have worth. And you feel a little bit like the shepherds in the field that day. 
Can I tell you, I've been there, and I've been there more than once. And you're left wondering, and maybe you're like me, maybe there's been nights where in the midst of your wandering, in the midst of your brokenness, you've just kind of whispered a little prayer into heaven. God, are you even there? God, do you see me? God, do you even care? I plead with you this morning to hear the message to the angels. Your God is for you. Your God has come. Over 2,000 years ago, light burst into darkness. And unto you, yes, you, a Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord. And this Christmas, God is wanting to show you his glory. He's wanting you to encounter his perfect holiness. He's wanting to display the fact that in the midst of his greatness and in his power, he wants to meet you in your incredible brokenness. And he wants to speak over your life. He wants to change you. You're not forgotten. You're not abandoned. You are not unloved. You are dearly loved by the King of Kings who loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And that this Christmas, he's wanting to come near. The angelic message to the shepherds that night is the same message being extended to you today. You are loved. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who is for you. There is a God who's bringing you to himself. When there was no way, when there was nothing we could do to meet heaven. Heaven said, that's fine. I'll come down. And your God has come. I pray, I plead with you, will you allow him today to meet you in your field and speak to the deepest wounds of your heart? Would you allow him to come near? Would you give him space today? Would you say, God, so many times I've put a wall up between me and you. But God, today can I be a shepherd? I pray right where you're at right now that you would reach out to heaven and say, God, would you see me? Would you know me? Would you remind me that you love me, that you care for me, and that you're for me? God, would you come near? God, would you come near? Maybe it's just a whisper, the best you can do. God, would you just come near? God, I need you. Would you all stand with me this morning? If you guys could just keep playing, I, I want to do something a little bit different and unique. Um, just where you're at, if you, some of you, this might be a little bit of a stretch. I, I hope not much, but if you would just kind of stick your hands out in front of you, almost like you're receiving a package. <laughs> we all like that on Christmas Day, right? There's something about coming to God with empty hands. There's something about coming to God saying, God, can you give me you? And just a second, I want to pray over you. And I'm praying is going to happen in this moment is that a spiritual transaction is going to take place. 
I'm praying that glory is going to fill your brokenness. I'm gonna pray that God's presence, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that freedom would reign in this house today. I'm gonna pray that we would receive from God. I don't care if you've been saved and been in the church for 40 plus years, or whether or not this is day one, it doesn't matter, we're, we're all in this boat together. We need, we need God himself. And so whatever your wound is, whatever that place is that you need to encounter the glory of God, will you, I pray, receive it this morning? And would you symbolically with your hands open, but more importantly with your heart, would you come to him today with open hands saying, God, will you give me yourself? Father, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus right now across this whole congregation, Father, I pray for healing to take place. Jesus, I pray where there is wounds of the heart that go back 30, 40, 50 years, that in this moment, that there would be a moment where we encounter your glory. God, where we realize that you are the God of infinite worth, that God, you are the God of grace and mercy and holiness and kindness and forgiveness and healing in your hands. You are the God that brings beauty where there was ashes. You are the God that speaks joy where there was mourning. You are the God that brings forth joy and peace and happiness when there was nothing but despair. You are the God that looks at our past that we and so many others has declared that there's no hope and you say, just give me a moment to breathe on it. God, you are the God that when you speak to death, it is forced to come back to life. You are the God that whenever we feel like our past defines us and there's no hope, you speak hope and everything changes. And God, you are the God that we come to this morning with open hands. Jesus, would you fill our hearts? Jesus, would we encounter your glory this Christmas? Jesus, would we be changed because we encountered you? God, I pray that every longing heart in this room would be filled with you this morning. God, I pray that joy would reign in the place of despair. God, I pray that healing would be carried in this room to every heart that longs for your presence. You are here. You are good. You are near. God has come. You are with us. Where you're at, would you just whisper a prayer to heaven? God, can I have you? God, can I have you? I want you. I want you this Christmas, not just something from your hands, not a present underneath the tree, not some more twinkling lights. God, I want you. God, would you give me yourself? God, would you reign in this room and in our lives? Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In your glorious and most holy name we pray, Father. Amen.